0: This is Rachel McElroy.
1: Hello, this is Griffin McElroy.
0: And this is wonderful. This
1: is a show where we talk about things that are good and things that we're into and things that we like. And us being sort of side by side, not looking at each other is a vibe that I've never (laughs) experienced and I don't necessarily love. We're like
0: morning news anchors. We
1: are kind of like morning news anchors. Did you see this story about the little dog and he had a zebra friend?
0: (laughs) love that story it ended, tell me more it ended
1: in tragedy for both <laughs> um this is uh this is this is fun this is a fun thing that we get to do uh that we are doing in in partnership in in
0: in support in of? support
1: of the uh the austin bat cave which a lot of our fans and listeners we learned when we announced this show big into bats and (laughs) we're maybe even a little disappointed or even hugely disappointed that, um,
0: I was not anticipating the, uh, the backlash for this, not being a bat organization.
1: I have things to say about bats later on. Oh, bats are going to get there. Okay, good. But I'm just saying uh, an organization called Austin bat cave. That is not the Austin bat cave, which is, which is all about encouraging youth, creativity and and writing and all that Mm -hmm. jazz um the idea of just like this one cave needs money
0: (laughs) people were on board for that we got
1: we're gonna get new stalactites in this one the best stalactites money can buy how
0: many bats can i support with five dollars i'm gonna
1: send a bat to college (laughs) um this is uh, if you've never watched our show before, we really do just kind of talk about whatever we used to talk <laughs> about the Bachelor, but then that that turned sour um, in the in the harsh light of day. We usually start by talking about small wonders. Do you have any small wonders?
0: Yeah, I wanted to give a shout out. Um, I first of all thank you everybody for purchasing a ticket and attending this this viewing that, that we have created.
1: Unless you received. The YouTube link from a friend, I'll be honest, we didn't lock this one down super tight. This is not a uh, a, a pay-per-view sort of MMA match experience. It's entirely possible that somebody sent you the link and you're like, mm, don't mind if I do.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to thank, there was a particular member of the Facebook group, the wonderful Facebook group, uh, Corey Lee Taylor Uh Kuhn, uh, who organized a spreadsheet of donations so that people that could not afford tickets right now would be able to attend. So I wanted to give a kind of a personal small wonder to that because I recognize it is not easy for people to scrape money together, especially after the holiday season. So thank you all.
1: If you did just stumble in here and you are able to donate, uh, you can support Austin Batcave by going to austinbatcave.org slash donate. Uh, it's a really cool program. We'll probably talk a lot yeah, about I'll it during this stream. More. Rachel's on the board and has yeah. been for a little over a year now. Yeah. Uh, I've done work with their D&D workshops yeah. and stuff like that with kids. I've, it's, it's It was really, really wild. I don't know that I've ever talked at length about it. No. I, yeah,
0: Griffin had the opportunity. They have summer programming. And Griffin had the opportunity to spend a day with summer campers and teach them how to design a dungeons and dragons campaign yeah well
1: i sat in on theirs and it was so fun like there was somebody was playing like a hansel and gretel D campaign <laughs> that,
0: that was, was incredible kinda, and it
1: was like pretty young kids there yeah. was one that was like a uh house hunters but with dungeons anyway uh <laughs> the children are the future and um i was just you kind of put my small wonder to shame i was just gonna say ham We've had, we got a big ham for Christmas, a sweet Christmas ham that we ordered from Central Market. And um, it was for six to eight people. (laughs) And we're just two people and one sort of ham averse child. So really, it was just up to me and Rachel to tear this ham down. And we're not, we are not close. You can
0: put ham in a lot of things. I mean, we have had ham sandwiches. I have put together a ham omelet that yes. I was quite proud of. Yes. Um,
1: straight ham. Just straight ham. straight ham. in the dome. <laughs> Can't beat that. Can't beat that. Um, thank you, ham. Thank you, Central Market. <laughs> we have, so we usually will talk about a couple things each that we uh, enjoy that we want to highlight. But before we started, Rachel sort of, okay. Rachel was an incredibly and remains a very talented writer. Um, but that goes all the way back to the the cradle. Honestly, Rachel has always <laughs> been an incredibly good wow uh, uh, writer of words, um, and so we have some some material from young Rachel that we're going to show in a moment that uh, everyone should be very excited for. But we also talked about um, some of my my young writing. And so we wanted to just sort of showcase
0: yeah, since, our
1: youth writing works. since
0: Austin Batcave focuses on children age 6 to 18, yes. uh, they go into the schools. They do out-of-school-time programming as well uh, to, to support not just, you know, poetry, as, as I was comfortable with, but also screenwriting and uh, journalism, uh, songwriting, they've given kids locally tremendous opportunities to develop their writing skill. And so we thought we would share some of our own youth writing yes, kind of in support of their mission uh, and, you know, to show kind of how we got our start.
1: <laughs> yeah. If only I had had those resources sort of available. No, I'm not going to bring shame to, uh, to Miss Bentley. The, uh, the teacher of my uh, talented and gifted program where uh, this journal was authored. I found four journals last night. So if you're a fan of the show, please look forward to <laughs> a lot more of this potential new segment. Yeah, um, Griffin
0: found so many promising pieces of writing. Oh
1: my God. That
0: he thought he could potentially have his own poetry corner What you
1: forward. What you have to understand is they kept journals apparently through pretty much all of elementary and middle school, which is, we're talking about turn of the millennium. That is Which, kind of incredible. Hey fam, some stuff happened around <laughs> then that my child brain was not ready to write words about and yet my teachers <laughs> were like, "Tell me how you feel about uh, the the war." And I'd be like ah, 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 ah. <laughs> um so i wanted to start this is my second grade journal mm-hmm. um i have a first grade journal that uh not a joke <laughs> i was tearing up a little bit last night reading because a lot of the entries were about how much i like playing with my brothers Aww. and walking home just from school with them it was very very sweet but not particularly
0: fun. so i have not heard these pieces of writing no you haven't
1: this is just a nice picture of a, a mountain And there's a guy with a pink shirt. Love that. That's not what I wanted to show everybody.
0: Did that count for your class? Were they like, that's enough for today, sir?
1: Yeah, I don't know. That may have been an extracurricular (laughs) drawing. Um, So some good stuff, but we're going to kick things off at uh, September 16th, 1994. There's a series that that date kicks off, and I'm just going to read it as as best I can. I love baseball. It's my favorite (laughs) sport. No offense for bowling and golf and other sports. But I've hit some out of the park. This is my favorite sport.
0: <laughs> it's beautiful.
1: September 19th, golfing. Golf is really, 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 really fun. I was going to make it number one, but I didn't have room because of all the reallys. This is my third favorite sport.
0: <laughs> now, just to get some context here... <laughs> The next page is from when
1: Austin St. John, uh, the Red Ranger from the Power Rangers, came to our school to do backflips off the stage. And so I did, I guess, draw a crude Power Ranger and write, sign here, Austin St. John. Oh, Griffin. Didn't get that signature. The man was too busy doing flips. That's awesome, though.
0: Were you? So you were you big into sports?
1: Um, in reading these pages, I thought I was, <laughs> but I wicked wasn't. September 23rd, bowling. I love bowling. It is very fun. My highest score is 363. (laughs) My lowest is 142. This is my fourth favorite sport. September 26th, soccer. Soccer is very fun. I've had a couple of tournaments with my friends. This is my fifth favorite sport, and the rest are sixth. So that's just a sort of listing of my favorites. Um, have I awoken our child with my yelling?
0: I don't know. I was concerned about it. I that. was
1: too. This is another thing we probably should have mentioned at the top. We just put our child to bed, and sometimes that doesn't work out so well. So, we do have like a technical difficulties slide yeah. prepared to throw up. I'll try to watch my, my volume
0: in the future. No, I mean, you were excited about bowling, honey. I yeah. can't fault you.
1: Here's the best thing about computers I think a computer is like a friend, the screen is the head. <laughs> The keyboard is the body and the wires are the feet. I have prodigy and windows. My favorite thing is you can talk with the computer.
0: (laughs) Griffin, there is some sadness in that one, I think.
1: But I would be very, um, I really like sports a lot. So don't get too sad about it. This is a quick one. February 13th, 95. When I'm in college, I'll look big and strong and old. My brother would be afraid of me. (laughs)
0: I wonder which brother you were talking about there. Probably Travis.
1: This one's probably the choicest nug. And this is my final entry that I'm going to share on this particular episode. And this gets back to what I was talking about, about news uh, of the the mid-90s. The Oklahoma bombing is very sad. I would repay him and send him to death on the electric chair. Wow. It was apparently all about that life. I didn't back know you then. loved
0: our country so much. I
1: loved our country, <laughs> loved capital punishment.
0: Yeah, I guess hated so. the
1: Oklahoma bombing, dude. Yeah,
0: no, thanks. I said, yeah.
1: I was like seven years old why did they ask me to write about this
0: no that's true why did they ask me to write about this
1: i was seven what is a good journal entry from a seven-year-old about the oklahoma Plus, city bombing look at this like
0: point, they should be familiar with your work which is primarily sports based About <laughs> sports and how are computers my friend because you can talk to it and it has prodigy so, they should have known, like, this isn't exactly your, your not genre. forte. No. <laughs>
1: um, yeah. Those are just some choice, some choice cuts. Um, but what we have for Rachel is not on the, on the page.
0: Not on the page.
1: Do you want to set this video up before we throw like it to, to it? Okay, please.
0: Yeah. So, uh, the clip I'm sharing with you is also from me as a second grader. Uh, my teacher was part of this curriculum in the school district that was called Success in Reading and Writing. And they put together an instructional video for all the teachers in the district. And so what they would do is they would bring a video camera to different classrooms to show different creative ways you could teach uh, reading and writing in the classroom, depending on the age of your students. So We uh, had the opportunity as a class to eat ice cream together and then describe, you know, develop a list of descriptive words, talk about our experience eating the ice cream, uh, and then write a poem on an actual little piece of paper that we had made to look like an ice cream cone. Yes. And my teacher was very excited about my poem, and the cameraman had left our classroom. And had gone to the third grade room down the hall, and she sent me down there. She's like, "Go, go, 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 go! Read that in front of the camera." And so I just dutifully walked down the hallway into the third grade classroom, and quickly became kind of the star of the show. A place, a place where <laughs>
1: you really shine. Kind in of against grade. my
0: will, I was not a, a McElroy at that time. I was not a no. performer. I did not like the spotlight. Uh, and I was not prepared for a bunch of students to be sitting around staring at me as I read this poem. Yeah. So
1: my exposure to this video was we had an incredible <laughs> birthday party. I forget whose it was. But the theme of the party was claim to fame. So everybody brought like a newspaper clipping of like something they had done when they were younger. Uh, Rachel brought this, this tape and said, yeah, here's this thing. Like, I don't know. I, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> but um, I'm going to play it now. It's just like my poem about ice cream. And me and my friends, and Rachel's friends, <laughs> after the video had aired, were in were on the floor yeah. uh, in stitches um, because Rachel hadn't realized the sort of extremely suggestive nature of the poem that she yeah. had
0: written. Yeah,
1: and 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 <laughs> the inherent humor of that is only compounded by the fact that as you watch seven year old Rachel deliver this poem, um, you've never seen somebody <laughs> so hugely sad like so hugely upset with the world <laughs> and they are delivering this very suggestive ice cream poem and um, i don't want to say too much more every moment of it is a treasure and uh i think we have it ready if uh amanda if you can play the ice cream video okay read me your first sentence i'm just
0: <laughs> tempting top of the ice cream That's very good, the tempting top. that makes it sound really tasty, doesn't it? That's a very good opening sentence. I'm starting at the tempting top of the ice cream cone and working my way down to the cone. I hope it lasts a long time. It's so creamy, fooey. I'm at the cone. Let's see if I can eat slower. Oh no, it's starting to drip. Well, so much for eating slower. Burr, this ice cream is cold. Boy, was that good.
1: <laughs> there's there's it's probably i don't know if you caught it you can rewind it after the thing is done but at the very end of that video you can actually hear her go oh. like a moan escapes. a moan of
0: the ice cream just like the impotently of flops over <laughs> uh. So I, yeah, I put watch that a few times. You know, my mom, because she was a teacher in the district, had a copy of this tape in our house. And so mm-hmm. I had watched it a few times and remembered that I looked sad. I remembered yeah. that part of it. It was only when we watched it maybe a year ago or two years ago with our friends that I realized how suggestive the language was. Yes. And that is that brought a new level of discomfort. <laughs>
1: it's, it's so good. Our friends still reference it. Um, once they realize that we've ripped it off the VHS and now have it in a very shareable yeah. digital format, it's going to be our Christmas present to them. Um, very excited. <laughs> anyway, that's our... Our youth writing. That's our youth uh, writing. Experience. Uh, yeah.
0: Do you want to go first? you want me to go first? Yeah. I just wanted to briefly, before we really got going, talk a little bit more about Austin Batcave. Yes. Um, Griffin, could you give them the, the web address again?
1: Again, if you want to donate, it's austinbatcave.org slash donate.
0: Uh, so Austin Batcave is almost entirely volunteer driven. So they have a very small staff of, of less than 10 people. And what happens is they send qualified volunteers that they train themselves out into the schools to offer these different workshops. And these volunteers are primarily working artists themselves. So they'll be journalists, musicians, novelists, and they're spending a lot of time both in small groups and individually working with students. And, And some of the writing is creative and some of it is focused on like, college essays so it's tremendously powerful organization uh, and is really kind of empowering students all over all over the region uh, not just in Austin proper but in the more rural surrounding counties as well so. I like
1: the idea of them being a tremendously powerful organization like they run <laughs> they also run the government and the
0: banks. <laughs> I mean, you know,
1: they might know if they ran the banks. I don't think that we would be doing this but fundraiser stream for some them. Of right?
0: The now. Students that go through the program will end up
1: working for the
0: banks. Yikes. It's right. an upside
1: down pyramid scheme. Mm-hmm. Cool.
0: Um, um. So. So yeah, I w- I'm happy to have an opportunity to support this organization, uh, and and I hope that you all will spend a little more time looking into it now that mm-hmm. I've told you about it.
1: Especially with a lot of sort of school going uh, by the wayside this year. They're doing a lot of work too.
0: And the other thing thing I should mention too is that they are offering online adult uh, courses right now. So if you're you're somebody who's interested in in kind of building your own poetry or short fiction or personal essay skills, they have online instruction for that too. Yeah.
1: Um, Okay. Now we're going to start doing the show proper. Everything else has been... Prelude. It's about to get really good. That's not true. It's not going to get <laughs> no, better than not. the ice cream poem. We we but we talk. we are going to continue talking for another for for a while still. So, um, would you like to do your first thing,
0: please? Yeah, my first thing is uh, kids jokes.
1: Kids jokes. Yeah. Did you try to connect both of yours at least tangentially to the Austin the, Batcave theme? Well,
0: I wanted to focus on the youth. I okay, guess. that's
1: that's fine. Yeah, kids jokes. Uh, boy Howdy, we've been hearing. A lot of these lately.
0: The magical thing about it isn't necessarily the words that that are are said, but but the way that we watch our son figure out how to really sell a joke. Mm. Um he he has learned punchline and he's learned that he really has to lean into it. And he really has to emphasize it. Nice. Yeah. And it, is, it has become quite charming. <laughs> yes,
1: very much so. To us only. <laughs> to
0: us only. Um, and, and so much so that he understands the construction now. And this is something that happens to a lot of kids where they like start to understand how jokes work. And then they try to make their own jokes. And they get the intonation right. But there's actually nothing funny about it. And then you no. have to kind of be like. Ah. Ah,
1: yeah. <laughs> Which is hard for us. <laughs> specifically <laughs> us it's very hard for
0: because he's still at the age where he will just say it again he will think they didn't hear me i'm mm-hmm. going to Now in his it. defense
1: i also do that now at 33 yeah. there's no way they could have not laughed at this intentionally <laughs> so there must be some mistake Um yeah we've heard uh what do cows do for fun go to the movies mm-hmm. um a lot.
0: Why did the banana go to the doctor? Yeah. Wasn't peeling well. Gotta love that one. And that's Very good. it.
1: And those are the only
0: two. Yeah. Those are, those are the two. Oh, and then something about there's, there's a, there's a booger joke in there too about picking.
1: Uh, what did the, what did the nose say to the finger? Stop
0: picking on me. Stop something like on that. Me, yeah. It's not, yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not good. He doesn't lean on that one a lot. I no. think he knows it's his weakest.
1: He knows the banana peeling well is the best joke. And, <laughs> He's right. It's He's the best right. of the three.
0: Uh, so to kind of give some context, I wanted to talk about kind of the origin of the knock-knock joke. Okay. Because I thought like that's, that's kind of the formula that kids start to pick up on really early. Um, the knock-knock joke, is, people cite the bard himself for introducing the knock-knock joke. They always do. Uh, in Macbeth... Uh, Shakespeare has a line in Act 2 where somebody says, knock, knock, who's there? And then they say, is it the name of Beelzebub? Here's a farmer that hanged himself on the expectation of plenty. (laughs) You really couldn't call it a j- I mean Shakespeare he got you got know, me again Sometimes you don't always catch the joke, but I don't think that was a joke.
1: My ribs have been <laughs> thoroughly
0: tickled. But because of the knock knock who's there format, they sure. kind of thought like, oh, well there it is that so he started it. Okay,
1: but also somebody once got their door knocked on and they answered, "Yeah, who's there?" Ted, were they <laughs> the first ones to
0: invent the joke? Uh, so knock knock jokes as we know them really took off in the 30s. Uh, they became really popular, like swing orchestras would do like little knock-knock jokes in between their sets. Okay. The they were on radio shows a lot. Businesses would stage knock-knock uh contests and uh knock-knock clubs formed in the Midwest, which I guess was What does that mean? What could that possibly mean? I have to assume that it was like comedian, like comedy clubs, just
1: going back and forth with with just bars <laughs> of knock
0: knock jokes.
1: Where's that? Where's that Eight Mile? I would watch that <laughs> film in a
0: second. And I can't imagine wanting to do an hour set of that of
1: just knock knock jokes. The audience would get tired yeah. of just going, "Who's
0: there? Who's there? Who's there?" <laughs> Uh, there was actually there was also a knock knock song uh, that became a favorite of some big bands and was just you know kind of over and over again.
1: And let's hear that right now. <laughs> no, I don't have, no, that. We don't have
0: it. <laughs> uh, so near the end of the 30s, there was kind of a an outpouring of uh, professionals who thought that people that incessantly punned and did knock knock jokes were exhibiting signs of of mental illness, uh, and thought that knock knock chokes were, uh, Representing kind of like manic behavior and and that they were uh, similar to the other crazes that would obsess people at the time. Knock, knock, Joe. They were very concerned about it. Uh, there is so this is actually funny. So there is uh, D.A. Laird, who was the director of Rivercrest Psychological Laboratory at Colgate University. That sounds chilling. <laughs> no. That uh, that alone sounds chilling.
1: The fact that they were doing knock-knock experiments, it like puts it on a whole nother level. But the name itself is rough stuff.
0: So so he suggested that they were catch question games and saying that people that were likely to take up knock-knock jokes was just a way for them to appear smart and bright by exhibiting a pseudo-intellectual activity since no one could possibly guess the right answer to these games.
1: This person hates jokes and riddles.
0: You say that, but here's the other thing. He was the faculty advisor of Banter, the campus humor magazine at Colgate. So he wasn't, it wasn't that he hated jokes. He was a comedy snob, like way back in the thirties was just like, I'm sorry. I know what funny is and it is not that.
1: But a comedy snob wielding the hammer of like psychological (laughs) language is like on a whole nother level.
0: Um. I also just wanted to say this is this is something that may exist nationally, but when I was researching kids' jokes, there is something called the Gotham Comedy Club in Chelsea that has uh kids and comedy shows. Ooh. So it's like summer programming, like a camp structure for kids that are interested in stand-up comedy.
1: But like can we go watch it or is it like a closed – I mean they
0: have videos online. Oh, that's
1: awesome. And... I love good kid stand-up. It's like legitimately <laughs> incredibly good.
0: And uh, in the age of of online instruction, they are offering online classes too. Oh, so if you have a child much like our son uh, who is over six uh, – yeah, I know he's not there yet. No. But uh they are all for programming yeah. for, for kids' jokes.
1: That's very good. Um, can I do my first thing? Yes. I'm gonna sing a, j- a jingle, the theme song, and see if you recognize it. Cause this may be another sort of age gap issue between the two of us. Plunk, plon, 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 plonk.
0: That's not home improvement. <laughs> Is,
1: it's the it's the theme song to the Goosebumps TV show? Oh, I didn't watch that. Okay, but I'm not going to talk about the TV show um because it was inferior in every way to Are You Afraid of the Dark. What wasn't was the Goosebumps books series.
0: Wow.
1: The Goosebumps book series was a huge gateway for me, into uh, what I read in one of my journals I referred to as uh, uh, recreational reading, which is <laughs> reading not uh, required by school, Yeah, um, which I never, ever did. It's the second best-selling book series ever, right behind Harry Potter. Wow. sold 400 million copies worldwide. Uh, 62 books have been published under the Goosebumps umbrella, uh, and they were, of course, written by R.L. Stein, uh, yeah. who... I read some fun quotes from when writing about, like, the success of this book series um, because he sort of stressed that, like, he wasn't trying to make it so scary and serious. And he credited the success of the series to, like, it's the the lack of uh, – oh, what was the the words he used? Drugs and violence and depravity. Um, <laughs> which, like, in Say Cheese and Die, someone does die. Yeah. It's there in the title, Mr. Stein. Like, I don't like the idea of R.L. Stein saying, like, they're not that scary when, like, I'll decide actually what gives me nightmares because it's monster blood. No. makes me very Did you read any goosebumps? I didn't <gasps> know.
0: I had friends that did. I'm not sure why I never got into it. It might have been just the spookiness.
1: It was very, yeah, maybe you that's never been your sort of your uh literary flavor, I would no, say. Yeah,
0: not particularly, no.
1: I think what helped me get over the fear factor was the fact that the books were incredibly formulaic, uh <laughs> where there was a uh, a child who was displaced in some way, staying with relatives in the country or at a, a camp somewhere or et cetera. And they encounter something scary and it troubles them for a while until they seemingly beat it. But then there's always a twist ending. They always get you with the twist ending. In so Goosebumps. it's
0: not like a group of boxcar children or yeah. a, a, like a, a detective. It's not the consistent. same.
1: It's not the same kids ever. except for when they do like they go to slappy land a few times you know what i mean like they there's a few entries in the monster blood series there's probably some continuity there um i wanted to talk about my favorite twist it was from welcome to camp nightmare which was the ninth book in the series still pretty early on there's a boy named billy staying at this weird camp and all these scary things keep happening and his fellow campers keep disappearing Seemingly killed. And he finds out it's this evil camp counselor that's doing it. So he confronts him and like fights him. And the camp counselor has a gun and he gets it from him. And that's when the camp counselor reveals the whole camp has been a test because Billy is being tested to go and confront this alien species on their alien world. And that alien world is
0: Earth. (laughs) I should have seen that coming. But you
1: didn't. And that's how R.L. Stein gets you. (laughs) When I like me reading that as a child was like, this is the best, that's the best thing I've ever. Nothing is going to be better yeah. than that. That was such a wild surprise. Uh, there was a series of choose your own adventure books, uh, called Give Yourself Goosebumps, which is really good. Uh, and they didn't really necessarily reinvent the wheel for choose your own adventure, but they were genuinely scary. There was one called Escape from the Carnival of Horrors. Where one of the like wrong turns was you had to choose which of two slides to go down. And if you went down the wrong one, the slide kept going forever and you were just eternally trapped on this spot. And that gave me like my first sort of moment (laughs) of existential dread in my entire life. So thank you. Uh, They were, of course, published under the Scholastic brand. Uh, So like every Scholastic book fair, I would roll in. I would get my new Goosebumps. I would get my new Animorphs. I would get my new Dinotopia. <laughs> I would be in there for three minutes. I would just be like, <laughs> bloop, bloop, bye. That's all I need. Um, and I really didn't give it much credit until I looked over the list of titles while preparing for this segment. And I have read so many of these books. Yeah. I severely underestimated my exposure to the Goosebumps brand um, because I didn't like reading. Um, so to wrap up this segment, i prepared a game for Rachel that I told you about earlier and I'm very excited about. Uh, it's called Goosebumps or Goofbumps. And in it, <laughs> uh, I'm going to tell you the title of a story. I have a lot of them. And you're going to tell me if it's a real Goosebumps book or something I just made up. Are you ready to begin this incredible game, Goosebumps or Goofbumps?
0: Yes, I am. Okay.
1: How, how worried are you right now?
0: Well, when you prepared this game, did you realize that I hadn't read any Goosebumps? I did books? realize that. Okay. I
1: assumed that. Okay. Are you prepared? Yes. Attack of the Gooey Ghost. We got to go fast. These are. Oh, a so lot. you're
0: not going to give me a synopsis? No, I thought, Attack, oh, oh.
1: just a title Attack of the Gooey Ghost. Goof. That's, you're right. Piano lessons can be murder.
0: Uh, that's real.
1: Correct. The Cuckoo Clock of Doom. That's real. Yes. My hairiest adventure. (laughs) That's fake. That's real. Zombies Uh, ate my homework.
0: uh, Fake.
1: Correct. One day at Horrorland. Real? Return to Horrorland. Real? Escape from Horrorland. Real? The Curse of (laughs) Horrorland.
0: Is that fake? That one's fake. Wow. How did you do that? (laughs) I read a lot of books as a
1: child. uh, Dracula stole my bike.
0: Oh, real?
1: No. No. Legend of the Lost Legend. (laughs) Fake? That's real. My best friend is invisible? Real? Real. I live in your basement. Real. Real. Beware of the purple peanut butter. (laughs) Fake? Real. Scary birthday to you. Real. That's real. Principal Frankenstein. Fake. Correct. Frankenstein's dog. Fake? Real. Frankenstein's dog bites back. <laughs> Real? Fake. I am Slappy's evil twin. Fake? Real. Are you terrified yet? Real. Real. You did really good at that Thank game. Thank you. <laughs> you got most of them right. I can't believe you caught my my horror land quartet trap. That was um, I also
0: uh have become familiar with, with
1: my brand yeah. of yeah, that's <laughs> That's fair. With
0: like the the scientific work you do to construct a joke.
1: Of those real titles, which one is your favorite because I find my best friend is invisible to be so powerful. Like you don't have to read that book. <laughs> you know everything that's going to happen in that book.
0: What is the purple peanut butter one?
1: I didn't read beware of the purple peanut butter, but it's a it's a it's a real.
0: That sounds more like Soosian. It does. It, it sounds, it sounds
1: <laughs> Shell Silversteinian. Yeah. Mm. Frankenstein's dog. I was surprised by that one that they got the Frankenstein that's license. Why I was thinking, yeah, that's why
0: I thought they'd be fake. Like yeah. well, I don't know what hoops you have to jump through, but I can't imagine it's easy to just be like, uh, I'm also going to have a Frankenstein in Yeah. Mine.
1: And my hairiest adventure, I feel like, is an early book. <laughs> it's like an early in the it's, series.
0: It's like a puberty book. Yeah, it's just it's just
1: there's no supernatural element in that one whatsoever. <laughs>
0: it just teaches it's just, kids whoa, how whoa. to really explore their bodies in that time. Yeah
1: um listen it was the 90s we didn't have access to a lot of helpful tools to teach us about the changes <laughs> of our bodies we relied on rl stein R. L. for that
0: stein.
1: his books didn't have depravity in them but this was the next next best thing yeah it can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks.
0: Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghostwriter, would I be able to do that?
1: Well, first of all, it would be
0: to get 50%
1: off. Oh, here, right here. Right now we got a Dumbo Blomb, and this one's for Theo and it's from Prox who says, happy birthday and happy anniversary. I'm so glad to have moved states so we can wake up together each morning. You make the world less terrifying. I love cooking for you, playing video games together, laughing at your good, good jokes and overhearing you listen to this podcast in the shower. Every week, you're my small wonder ooh, this is weird knowing that right now Theo is hearing this in a shower. I feel like maybe we shouldn't be aware of that fact because now I feel like we're like in there and it's a private place. But
0: I will say, if you're gonna put the conditioner in, give give yourself a little time for that conditioner. Oh, sure.
1: Oh, sure. That's the first thing I do. I get the hair wet and then I put the conditioner in and then I wash the rest of my face and body and my butt and stuff. Mm -hmm. And only then... Do I do the, the rinse a I try to give it at least five minutes.
0: Wow, five minutes. If I
1: can. If I can, yeah. If I got nothing else going on that day. Hey, how about this next one?
0: This message is for Nicole. It is from Jessica. Thanks for being the first adult I talk to each day and the last when the melatonin takes too long to kick in. Thanks for always returning the giant thumbs-up emoji my butt sends and never picking up when I accidentally video chat you. Thanks for having three awesome kids that I love and for loving mine in return. Having you as a BFF is wonderful.
1: That is so sweet. That is
0: so sweet. Uh, I love uh, that never picking up when I accidentally video chat you. I feel like that is is an underestimated, undervalued quality. (laughs) I
1: always know when I get a video chat from one of my brothers or my dad at like, I don't know, 2.30 on a Monday, I'm like, that's not real. That's unintentional. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: We just spoke earlier. This is not real. That's your butt.
0: I will say, your dad does always pick up and he is always driving.
1: Yeah, he is. (laughs) And this one's for Beth, and it's from Bree, who says, I'm so glad I was such a class A nerd in college so we could bond. Through asexual epiphanies, retail horror stories, NaNoWriMo's, and fanfic freakouts, thank you for being my roommate, hive mind, honey nut queerio, soul sister. My bad for making food with so much cumin. When you moved in, I never realized you didn't like it. Love always, cheese. Oh my
0: gosh. who?
1: doesn't love
0: cumin? Wow. Well, see, this is like when we first got together and yeah. I made a lot of soups. You did. And I put peas in pasta and you very politely ate it for a long time. That's
1: true. And
0: then you were like, hey, by the way, I don't actually like peas.
1: Well, it's because when you say you don't like peas, people assume certain things about you that you're like a, ve- a veggie phobe, which I'm not. I enjoy a vegetable, but just not peas or limer lime beans. That's it. Just those <laughs> (laughs) too
0: so maybe this person feels that way about cumin okay
1: no judgment it's just that counts out a lot of incredible sort of food categories (laughs) that sort of bums me out but i mean i could just like i could pour taco seasoning like on into my open mouth and just like make it make an afternoon of it that's true
0: okay uh can i read this next message i wish you would this message is for jeff it is from clarice thank you for being my best friend and a memory keeper with me I wrote you this poem eight years ago, and it's still as true married as when we were falling in love. You put stars in my eyes and life's greatest surprise. Finding you light up my heart like it was waiting for you to start. I love and adore and admire and look up to and dream about you, babe.
1: That's so sweet and also very very just duplicitous to get a backdoor Rachel's Poetry (laughs) Corner in here. You know what I mean? Like, typically, people have to pay <laughs> quite a bit for a, uh, you know, a, a, a Rachel's Poetry Corner. Yeah, I corn. know. The
0: estate of Wallace Stevens yep. uh, paid for my car.
1: That's true. <laughs> and Rachel does go to birthday parties and we'll just do a poem. We'll read poems there for yeah. you. And I'm saying that you got, <laughs> you got you doubled up on this service. It's
0: very popular. You know, there'll be somebody making balloon animals and then I'll be over in the corner with like a very large book of Emily Dickinson. Yeah. Kids always choose me. They always choose mm-hmm. you.
1: Um, what is your second thing? I just saw it and I'm so disappointed in you.
0: I wanted to have my computer up. Usually Griffin and I do not share our topics in advance. No. Um, My second thing. See, I feel like you're preparing for a spit take right now. (laughs) My second thing is comic sans.
1: There it is. I'm not even, I'm not even in that. I find the stuff like battling over the Oxford comma or like really any sort of grammatical, like snobbery, like, very exhausting but man i yeah. i mean i wouldn't use it
0: i i have had some experience picking like a typeface you know when i have have done creative writing before yeah uh and there aren't restrictions around what size and type of font you have to use but i don't have a lot of strong feelings about it uh The thing that I think is wonderful about Comic Sans is kind of what the intention behind it was initially. Okay. uh, And kind of the unintended benefits of it, I guess.
1: Was it like a youthful, rebellious, like, Times (laughs) New Roman? Uh,
0: A little bit. Who
1: am I, my dad? Look at my silly font. (laughs) I don't take anything seriously.
0: So there is, there is a man behind Comic Sans. His name is Vincent Kinnair, and he designed it for Windows 1995 when they were putting together Microsoft Bob.
1: Microsoft Bob.
0: Does this sound familiar to you?
1: Was it like a text-to-speech helpful friend?
0: This was like a desktop interface that was supposed to look like a living room, and there, there was a, a dog on there, uh, and the idea was that it was supposed to be more like friendly and welcoming to younger people. Okay, so when you would open up the desktop, you could choose this option, and then kids could kind of more intuitively navigate the computer.
1: I mean, I must have – like, we had computers early. I would be surprised if we didn't have this.
0: It didn't hang around.
1: I would not be surprised. I think people probably <laughs> – what font is this dog speaking in? Get him out of here. I need a serious Helvetica dog, please.
0: Uh, well, and that was part of his thinking, so he <laughs> – he said it in an interview once. This is Vincent Connare. He said, "Quote: Comic dogs don't talk in Time News Times New Roman." <laughs> I can't <laughs>
1: believe it. He actually said something like that.
0: He said, "My original idea was it was going to be used for kids, and it wasn't made for everybody to like it." Okay. So he was inspired by comic books, which is how he kind of developed this style, which was him basically drawing intentionally sloppy letters, uh, and. He did not expect it to kind of take off and become this font that is used for everything in all environments.
1: Right. I wonder if he would be saddened by sort of the constant derision that the <laughs> Comic Sans font now is the recipient of.
0: Well, and so that that is kind of his point. So a lot of people picked it up. So at the time in the 90s, notable companies like Disney and Apple and BMW were all using this font in their... In their materials, and people, you know, were kind of getting used to this very accessible, like, kind of goofy font. Uh, and it wasn't—it wasn't ever supposed to be like in informal context, yeah, sure. Uh, and so, so his point, still to this day, so in the early two thousands, there were all these movements against it. Like, there was a a, a group of Canadians that campaigned to ban the font in two thousand five uh there was
1: all very ironic though right like it's not like people were trying to
0: i don't actually... yeah I, I mean i didn't see any like legislation that was okay, put cool. forward. <laughs> uh there were typographers in 2002 that that gained momentum and kind of saying this font is terrible we need to stop using it um and it actually had a lot of benefits for a lot of people. So it is obviously it's it's good for kids. You know, it's like it's big, it's loopy, it's engaging. There's more space in between the letters. Uh, apparently, it's also really helpful for uh, individuals with dyslexia because the letters huh. look so distinct. Huh. So if you're if you're somebody who's potentially going to reverse letters or have difficulty with words, the letters look like a B and a D look very different. Okay. And uh, I. The argument I read, I thought it was interesting. There was uh, somebody in uh, Wichita State University that did a study of how people perceive typefaces and categorized the responses of people's perceptions into three categories. Uh, either a font was characterized as having a, a rugged masculinity, <laughs> uh, perceived beauty, or excitement.
1: Okay. Where on God's green earth did Comic Sans land?
0: (laughs) Well, and that was the suggestion is that some typefaces are just distinctly inappropriate. Like they would have the people in the study rate the suitability of typefaces for formal documents. Right. So the idea was like, look at this resume, which font seems more appropriate for the resume. Uh, And so there's just kind of a suggestion that people are just generally good at, at looking at at typeface in a kind of an artistic way and saying hmm. like, this is not the right medium for what you're communicating. That makes sense. It's yeah. letters. I found, so I'm not, I'm not super familiar with this, but there was a Tumblr called the comic sans project where they would take, uh, corporate logos and redo them in Comic Sans. I and think I've seen
1: some of these. It's
0: very entertaining. Yeah. It really kind of communicates that point of like, this font is not suitable for, for more serious products. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I you know I I wouldn't use it for a wedding invitation necessarily. No, but I appreciate you know if I'm going to sell ice cream, you know after reading that poem, right. let's say I open my own franchise of ice cream, and, and
1: you could.
0: <laughs> I would want a little sign in Comic Sans. I think.
1: I think that would. I think you could do much worse. <laughs> Thank you. I think you could use any of the cursives. I still feel <laughs> like they haven't made a good cursive typeface That's that true. I've seen. Because I got so excited, my cursive was garbage, that in yeah. school, when I realized I can just type cursive and save myself a lot of time, I was so stoked that I yeah. ran home to the computer and tried to do it. But it's a huge disappointment. <laughs> I want to talk about bats. I'm going to oh, talk about speci- specifically the bats that do live under the South Congress Bridge.
0: There are a lot of people that probably came here for some bat content. Well, I'm here glad. you go,
1: folks. That you were uh, delivering. These are very specific bats. There's a lot of them. If you're not familiar, uh, Austin is uh, six months out of the year, home to a great deal of bats, 750,000 to one and a half million bats. Uh, uh, they live under the South Congress Bridge, which is a big bridge that connects downtown to the south part of Austin. And every dusk, a uh, a biblical plague swarm <laughs> A, a cla- I should have looked up what a, uh, a a what's the name of the like a proper noun of a group of animals. I used to know this. I think I've done a segment about I it. But I already <laughs> forgot it. Um, a lot of bats, like a big mm. uh, a conflagration of bats, yes. uh, comes out of the bridge, and it's this huge, you know, tourist attraction. Now people will come out and camp out on the bridge. Yeah, uh, but it happens from March to September, uh, and then they scoot scoot on down to Mexico. They are Mexican free-tailed bats. That is the okay. type of bat they are. They are also almost unanimously uh, female bats. And oh. they they uh, come to our beautiful bridge. And then in June, they pop out a baby bat, a cub right there under the bridge. I guess that's why the number doubles uh, over time. <laughs> um, so for a long time, we love these bats now. Oh, we love them. Uh, but for a long time, Austin did not care for these bats. They were seen as something of a blight. Uh, And there was a bat conservationist uh, whose name was Merlin Tuttle, which is the, if you told me name a bat conservationist, I would say just (laughs) off the top of my head, uh, Merlin Tuttle. (laughs) And he, he moved to Austin in 1986 after hearing that we had the, the biggest urban bat population in the country. Uh, And when he came here, he realized that everybody hated these bats. And we're talking about like exterminating this huge bat colony yeah, under the bridge. Wow. Uh wow. And so he kicked up this huge public uh, education campaign to yeah. say like, hey, they're not gonna bite you or turn you into a Dracula. Like I know that every town hall meeting this dude went to, there was always <laughs> one person like, Hey, yeah, I've lived in this town for 25 years. I have kids here. I put down roots here. And I'm not trying to turn into a Dracula (laughs) thing very much. Um, But he just stayed this staunch advocate for bats. Uh, Something I learned, Texas Monthly does a feature called the Bum Steer Awards. Have you heard about this? No. It's like they're Razzies.
0: Oh, that's It's like
1: here's a Texan who has done something silly or bad. Um. They had their work cut out for them in 2020. Uh, they are still doing this feature. In 1986, old Merlin Tuttle got himself a Bum Steer Award from Texas Monthly because Aww. they all thought it was so silly that this bat enthusiast. That guy. Uh, the award was guano to Texas. Dr. Merlin Tuttle of Milwaukee, the founder of Bat Conservation International, announced that he wanted to move his organization and research to Austin, which he called Bat Nirvana Land. What a what a goofball this bat scientist is coming here and telling us about bat science. Anyway,
0: he, he did incredible work because people really like, I, when I moved here, this was a thing of like, have you gone to see the bats yet? Mm. And people will get their kayaks out under the bridge and they will camp out to watch these bats and people will take pictures. Yeah, And it is a whole thing. Uh, it is always on the list of like free, low cost activities to do.
1: I can't wrap my mind around the headspace that the that the kayak people are in. I know. I've never actually. Here's the thing. I love these bats. I've seen them from a distance. Like it's kind of hard not to. Well, we see them, them all the because time because there
0: are other bat colonies. Like I know there on, are. Yes. On our way to Round Rock before to go to an Express game, we saw like a huge, a huge cloud yes. of bats. But
1: I've never out. gone to camp out on the bridge to watch um, them because. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to be close to that many bats. Like I like, I like bats from a distance. And like, if I'm outside and I see a bat fly by, I'm like, Oh, cool. If a bat gets in my house, that's the worst day of my life.
0: I don't like that one bit. And being close to
1: 1.5 million bats, I need a personal guarantee that none of them are going to come into my bubble. Mm -hmm. And I listen. Dr. Merlin Tuttle would be so disappointed to hear me say (laughs) this. I like the bats, uh, aesthetically, uh, but I've never gone to camp out on the bridge. Anyway, Dr. Tuttle, didn't give up, got this This razzy, was like, no, I, this won't stop me. Just kept trying to win folks over until eventually he did. And uh, I think on the back of the fact that, hey, this could be a tourist attraction, which it was. Um, and then it was a big thing ever since. People like our bats. Uh. I can't say our bats when I just said, I don't want to be close <laughs> to the bat cloud. Um, anyway, um, so the, the bats are almost entirely female uh, and, after they give birth to a pup around June, in uh, five weeks, those baby bats are able to fly around at night and do uh, this this the bat colony's noble service to us, Austinites, which is they eat a bugs.
0: Yeah. See, that that is the thing that sold me on bats, is that the, yes. the mosquitoes mm-hmm. uh, really handled by the bats.
1: Ooh, we grow them big down here in Texas, too. Big mosquitoes. <laughs> um, each night. The batpocalypse, the plague that comes out uh, devours anywhere from 10,000 to 30,000 pounds of insects each night. Wow. And a lot of those are mosquitoes and and harmful agricultural
0: pests every
1: night. Ten thousand to thirty thousand pounds. Thank you, bats.
0: So they go out to feed, and then they come back at the end of the night. They're like, "Thanks, I'll see you tomorrow." Thanks,
1: yeah. Make more bugs for us. I guess. <laughs> yep, that's what they do for six months out of the year.
0: I wonder. I guess if you live downtown, you probably have a noticeable reduction no in bug.
1: your guarantee bug problem from the bats. Yes. Anyway, bats are great. Um, I actually learned that the Texas Department of Transportation started a program called uh i think it's just called bats and bridges to sort of aid in the design of new bridges and like uh repairs for bridges or modifications to bridges to make them more bat colony like friendly to like aid in the construction of the underside of the bridge to make it more amenable for for bats when appropriate like there are places where it is not a great idea in a small town to have uh, uh that many bats Uh, But I thought that was so neat. So
0: there's bridges out there that have like little sofas and TVs. And like a little central perk for bats. Yes. So cute, cute, babe.
1: Ooh, let's just just keep going. Little
0: Chandler bats. They're like, oh, "Oh, could I be any hungrier for bugs? Yeah. Uh, And
1: then it's like, (laughs) you don't guano on the... This is more Seinfeld now. But like,
0: (laughs) you don't guano
1: on the first date. Okay. I don't know if they call... (laughs) pooping, guanoing. I don't think you can make a verb out of guanoing. Anyway, uh, that's all that we have prepared for you. One last time. If you have enjoyed our show, go donate to the Austin Batcave. (laughs) If you enjoy the idea of what the Austin Batcave does, and you should go to. I wanted to
0: share every year they give students the opportunity to publish their work in these big anthologies. Uh, which is a tremendous opportunity as, as a young writer to to be published and to have the opportunity to share your work with more people than, you know, just your second grade teacher.
1: Yeah, uh, who must have read <laughs> that thing about the <laughs> Oklahoma City bombing and been like.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Should I tell someone? <laughs> Whoa.
1: Anyway, the link, austinbatcave.org slash donate. Genuinely, thank you to Austin Batcave for everything that you do and for allowing us to to do this show in support of you.
0: Yeah. And this this stream will be available after this evening. Uh sure. so if you joined us late or you know wanna want to revisit the ice cream poem, you have the opportunity yes, to may. do so. Uh
1: that's it though. Thank you for watching and yeah. um thanks to Bowen and Augustus for the use of our theme song uh, yes. Money Won't Pay. And um, thank you
0: to Maximum Fun for hosting our show. If you are not a regular listener of the podcast, you can find our show on maximum fun,
1: and thank you to Amanda who has uh, s- stayed stayed on late tonight to help us run this uh, stream. Because uh, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how this works. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, have thank a you. Have a good evening, and we'll see you. We'll see you next. We'll see you next time. <laughs>